Well, in my weekly email, which I hope that you are receiving, I send that out on Thursday or Friday, depending on when I hit send, I shared that I have some exciting news to share today. By the way, if you are not receiving that email for whatever reason, make sure that we have your most up-to-date email address, and you can take care of that by putting it on the connection card and indicating that you want to make sure that it is correct. I would also encourage you to check your spam folder to make sure that you are receiving these notes because I try to give you good information about Valley Point and what's coming and how you can engage. So in my weekly email, I said I have some great news to share with you and I'll give you this update and then we'll pray and step into our content, okay? So Matthew Haney, who was with us last weekend, has accepted our offer and will now become our next children's ministry pastor. So can we thank God for that? We're really excited about Matthew and Tammy coming to join our church family and be a part of who we are and to join our staff team as well and just begin serving our kids and our families and the communities around us in effective ways. Matthew brings a lot of experience serving children and families and the church as he has given his whole life and his career to this field. If you want to learn more about Matthew and Tammy, you can pick up a bio sheet at Just For You. I would encourage you to do that so you can read about him and how God has worked in his life and in their life as a family over the years and in their different ministry stops, including now here at Valley Point Church. Be in prayer for Matthew and Tammy as they begin the process now of moving from North Carolina to our area. There are many details that have to be arranged, but we hope to have them here by the end of April. So that's really fast. And that's their desire as well. That's our hope that they will be here functioning as part of our church family. So we have much to look forward to in regards to them joining our team. In the meantime, Rob and Kathy Malik here at Valley Point Church and our fantastic volunteers every week are serving our children and our families. We're so thankful for them and their faithfulness as you see them, or even as you are picking up your kids today, be sure to encourage them and share an uplifting word with them as they have been working so hard throughout this transition to make sure that we can be up here and sing and pray and open up God's word while our kids have the opportunity to do the same thing in their environments to just hear about a God who loves them and has a desire to be their forever friend. So be sure to encourage all of them, okay? I know you'll do that. Thank you. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at our content about being rooted in Christ. Father, we step into your presence now, so grateful for today just the opportunity we have to sing Alleluia. The Lord 
God Almighty, He reigns. He reigns. So we just pause and say we're grateful that you are a God who is in control and that your love, as we read about together, it endures forever. The love of God is so amazing, so big and so vast that it just endures through all of the generations. We're grateful. And so we respond to you and your greatness in light of you being a God who extends love. And as we think about that today, in regards to humanity and who we are as individuals before you, may you encourage us and just ignite in us a desire to keep responding to you. We pray this now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Since the beginning of February, we have been looking at some of the core beliefs of Christianity. What is it that Christians stand upon as they seek to be transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others? This question has been driving our time together. Today we want to look at the next core belief as we continue this theme of being rooted in Christ. And so we're starting by looking at the core beliefs of Christianity. Today we continue looking at another core belief and we have options for the title. How about that? You get to choose the title today, whatever you prefer. Okay, we could call it the doctrine of humanity as we think about who we are before God. We could call it the theology of anthropology. Again, just a study of humans. Mixed into that is the word hamartiology, which comes from the Greek word hamartia and is the word for sin, which is certainly part of the discussion as we think about humanity. So you have options for the title. A theology of anthropology, hamartiology, there's a lot of ologies, all of these words. But basically, today we want to think about the core Christian belief of humanity and what it means to actually be human. To do this, to look at humanity and to understand it, I think we have to view it from the perspective of these two comments, and that is, as God intended it? So how did God actually intend for humans to behave and to act in relationship to each other, but also in relationship to Him? God had a very distinct purpose in that, a way He wanted it to be. We have to look at that, and then we also have to look at humanity as it really is. So these are the two perspectives as God intended it, and as it really is. Thinking about this might not seem as important as the doctrine of God or the doctrine of salvation, which we've talked about both of those core beliefs to Christianity. Those are really big and glorious things, and we could spend the rest of our church life just thinking about the theology of God and the theology of salvation and what that means for us. 
So the doctrine of humanity might not seem as important, but to throw out the doctrine of humanity would be a disservice to the gripping story and drama of God's desire and his ability to rescue and restore humans. Okay, just think about that for a moment. To throw out anthropology as, well, it's not as important as God himself or as salvation would actually do a disservice to the drama of God's capability of rescuing and restoring all of us. So with that in mind, here's our big idea for today. All people are loved by God and need Jesus as their Savior. Now, if you have spent any amount of time in church, that's not new information for you. But I think as we walk through thinking about the doctrine of humanity and how it really matters to God's gripping story of reaching out and rescuing us, I hope this comes to life for you and brings joy into your heart that all people are loved by God and need Jesus as their Savior. Now, flowing from this big idea here is how I would like to approach today's conversation. Here's our outline. Here's the walking path. I want to talk about origins. And I think we begin there because that helps us to see how God intended it to be. After that, we'll talk about the human condition as it really is. And then from there, I want to look at the phrase, in Christ. Because that is an extraordinary phrase and means really good things for all of us. In Christ, when a person trusts in the saving work of Jesus, when they embrace his leadership and forgiveness, they are in Christ, and there's really good things that happen as a result of that and our humanity. And then I want to look at the two words, all and whoever, because we find them in Scripture. Specifically, we're going to look in John's Gospel at these two words, all and whoever. So origins, the human condition, in Christ, and all and whoever. Let's start with origins, okay? Join me in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter. We find here that God is creating. He is inventing, and he created light and the sky and seas, the land and plants. He created the moon and the stars, fish, birds, and animals. And you can read all about this in chapter 1. And then we find this in verse 26. It says, Then God said, after all of that inventing and creating, let us make human beings in our image. So here we come. Humanity. It begins. Verse 26, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Again, keep in mind, this is God saying things here. So let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And here's verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. 
male and female, he created them. This phrase in verse 27, in the image of God is fascinating. And if you like to highlight and underline, I would encourage you to grab that phrase because in the text, it is very dynamic. In Latin, that phrase, in the image of God, is captured in the two words, imago Dei. Imago Dei. Imago meaning image, and Dei meaning God or deity. The phrase imago Dei describes the inherent value and dignity of all humankind. Not just some, but imago Dei. In the image of God, there is value and dignity for all humans who are made actually in his image. It points to how Adam and Eve were created good, complete, and whole. That's Adam and Eve. They were created good, complete, and whole. Would you just ponder that? for a few moments. Humans were created in the image of God. They weren't God, but they resembled God to some level and they were his representatives. And that's what we see Adam and Eve doing for a short period of time. In thinking about humans, which is what we're doing today, anthropology, in thinking about humans, we start here. And we can't dismiss this, and we can't forget about it. Humans were created in the image of God. This is how God intended it to be. This is what he wanted from the very beginning. But we must talk about humanity as it is. We have to talk about our lived experience and what we know to be true. As the story of Genesis unfolds, we find in chapter 3 that Adam and Eve are tempted and they choose to sin. They choose to walk away from God. And I think Genesis chapter 3 is one of the saddest chapters in all of Scripture because paradise is lost. Again, God intended it to be a certain way, but Adam and Eve gave into temptation and they chose to sin. Sometimes I think we look at that and we think, you know, Adam and Eve really screwed it up for everybody, right? Including me, because I'm a part of this. And we begin to hate on Adam and Eve because they threw humanity into this mess. And often we begin to think in our minds, Adam and Eve, do better. Like, let's just back it up and try all of this again. Do better. But the reality for... Christians and our humanity is that the story of Adam and Eve's sin is also the story of our sin. It's one and the same, and this is what we see the Apostle Paul describe for us in Romans chapter 5, and I would encourage you to join me in this New Testament book. Romans chapter 5 I will begin reading verse 12, and then we'll also look at verse 18. So when we think about Adam and Eve, their sin is our sin, and that's what Paul tells us here. 
Verse 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. There's another verse in Romans that talked about all sin. All have sinned, or a better translation of that is all sin. And that's what we find here in chapter 5, verse 12. And here's verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Now, there's more to verse 18, which we will read in just a moment, that brings hope into the story. But what we discover here is that Adam's story of sin is everyone's story. It's my story. It's your story. So we can't just blame it on Adam and Eve and say, boy, you really messed it up, and I would have done something different. No, the story of Adam and Eve's sin is our story. Scholar Craig Keener stated that Jewish people at this time believed that Adam's sin introduced death into the world and that all of his descendants replicated his rebellion. In other words, they acted in the same exact way. In theological circles... This is known as the imputation of sin. Now, there is debate in the scholarly world on exactly how sin is imputed or attributed to different humans throughout time. And we're not going to take time to walk through that, but if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the imputation of sin and how it's attributed to humans, I copied some theological charts that you can pick up at Just For You. So if you want to wrestle with the imputation of sin, please go and grab those charts. No matter our view on this, how sin came to be, what we know and what we live, our lived experience, and I think you'll agree with me on this, is that our world was marked by sin from the time of Adam until now. This is what we know to be true. We see it all around us. Our world is marked by sin. Here's something else we need to know, though. This isn't the end of the story for humans. If we're to end there, that would be really bleak news. But a Christian worldview actually offers a different perspective and hope for humanity. And that's what we want to think about now. So God intended humanity to be a certain way, image-bearing of him. Adam and Eve sinned, and in them all sinned. That's the imputation or the attribution of sin to all of us. But that's not the end of the story for humans. I want to go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 18, and just watch this flow of thought. So here's what we already read. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Boo! It's bad news, right? But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Now, I thought you might break out into applause because that's amazing. So here's your opportunity. Here we go. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Boo! Don't like that. But 
Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. It's a chance, yeah. yeah. It's quite extraordinary that the human condition doesn't end with Adam and Eve and their choice and our choice. Through one man, one man, Jesus, the human condition is dramatically changed and in a powerful way for the Christian, Jesus defines our humanity. Here's verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So in the person of Jesus, humanity can have a different experience and step into a forever friendship with God the Father. I love how James Bryan Smith describes this. He says it this way, In Christ, I am no longer to be defined by sin. Often we feel that way about ourselves, right? Well, here's who I am and what I've done, and we define ourselves this way, but I think we have to understand when it comes to a doctrine of humanity, Christ did something for us that turns this around, and I'm no longer to be defined by sin. I have been reconciled. When I trust in the saving work of Jesus, I have been changed, I have been redeemed. Sin has been defeated. So think about this. Adam's sin, it brings condemnation. It's not good. But the righteousness of Jesus, it actually redefines humanity. And the hopeful news for us is that Jesus broke the power of sin and in him I am whole and a new person. So in Christ, in Christ, again, when I trust in him alone, in Christ, I am a whole new person. And this is why Christ's followers should be the happiest, kindest, grace-filled people on earth, right? Because we're in Christ. We're in Christ and there's hope. And sin doesn't define us. Get this. God's love is for all and whoever. And we see this repeatedly throughout Scripture. All and whoever. That's God's love for us. And I want to read just a few of these all and whoever passages from the Gospel of John. We find them throughout Scripture, and they're prevalent in John's Gospel. I'm just going to read a few different sections of this. Watch for all and whoever. Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 4. God's love is for all and whoever. Keep that in mind. Here's John 1, 4. In the word, Jesus Christ was life, and that life was the light of, say it, all, all mankind. Same chapter, verses 11 and 12. The word Jesus Christ came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to, say it, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is a profound set of verses here that talks about the change in humanity, right? All who receive him, which has the idea of trusting and embracing and believing. So all who believe, well, they're not condemned anymore, but they're right before God. 
So again, sin doesn't define us. Humanity has changed because of Jesus. Here's John chapter 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared. So these are the words of Christ. I'm the bread of life. Say it. Whoever. Whoever. That's you. You're in that, whoever, and I am as well. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And say it. Whoever believes or trusts in me, will never be thirsty. Humanity, again, redefined. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Say it, whoever. Mm -hmm. That's right. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All and whoever. This is the story of God reaching out to rescue and restore humanity. And in Christ, in Him, I am no longer defined by sin. And this is what we see in Romans chapter 6. I would encourage you at some point today, just go back to your Bible and open up the book of Romans and find chapter 6 because it helps us to know that we don't have to keep giving in to sin. It doesn't have to define us. In Romans chapter 6, it asks the question, should I just keep on sinning so that grace can abound? And the text answers it and says, God forbid, that's a bad idea. Don't just keep on sinning so you can experience grace. And here's why you don't have to do that. How can we, speaking of followers, who are dead to sin, live any longer there in it. Again, here's humanity redefined. If you follow the Valley Point reading plan from Monday through Friday, you're going to be in Romans chapter 6. But I would encourage you today, read it and then read it again just so that you can see, I can say no to sin. I don't have to be defined by that because I am in Christ and God's love is for all and whoever. It's great news. Really good news for us. Rutger Bregman wrote a best-selling book called Humankind where he states that a negative outlook has permeated Christianity from its earliest days. So he kind of goes after Christianity a little bit about being down on humanity. And then he goes on to talk about how the Enlightenment and Western culture and other philosophies also have a really low view of people, of humanity. And then he stated this, only recently have scientists from an array of different fields come to the conclusion that our grim view of humanity is due for radical revision. Now, I would say on the surface, that sounds really good. Uh, yeah, maybe we need to rethink this a little bit. But I would posit to you that long before this book was printed in 2019, God acted in radical ways on our behalf and he sent Jesus into the world to pay the price for our sins so that humanity could be redefined. From the very beginning, the Christian worldview and the biblical ethic 
is one that says there is hope for humans and it's found in the person of Christ and we don't have to give in to sin anymore because when we are in him, God's love is for all and whoever and we can experience victory in a different way of life. And this is why we read in John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loved and he rearranged the trajectory of human history. And then we read this in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Just let these words fall into your soul a little bit. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Oh my. <laughs> That's really good news for us, isn't it? Because we're really good at condemning ourselves, aren't we? Or we're really good at letting other people do that to us, and maybe for good reasons, but we're constantly condemning. That's the inner voice, that's the spirit inside. But hear the spirit of God say to those who have trusted in Jesus, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That's the radical revision of humanity that God enacted by sending his son into the world based on his love for us. I want to share four takeaways now that hopefully will give you something to consider throughout the week. And I'm going to base these on James Brian Smith's The Good and Beautiful God. I'm going to borrow some of his language here with these takeaways. So there's four of them. Here we go. Number one, keep soaking in the truth of your identity in Christ. Okay? And we do that by remembering two words. Imago Dei. There's a Latin lesson for this Sunday. Imago Dei. I image God as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. This is true for me, and it's true for you. So keep soaking in the truth of who you actually are and how humanity is redefined for you, and there is hope because you image God as a follower. So everywhere you go this week, where you live, work, and play in all of these environments, bring hope and peace and love in the name of Jesus because you image him. You image him. Takeaway number two, practice spiritual disciplines that deepen the truth of our identity in Christ. And I want to recommend three practices that I think do this. There are certainly more disciplines. We're not going to take time to talk through that today. That talk is coming. But here are three that I believe will help us just soak in the truth of our identity. The first discipline is worship, which is what you're doing today. You're looking up and responding to God's greatness. And we want to keep practicing worship because this helps us to look up to God. The second spiritual practice is Bible study. 
outside of Sunday, take some time to open up the Word of God because this helps us to see how Jesus acted, especially in the Gospels, and what He wants for us and what He has done for us. So keep Bible study as a practice throughout the week. And then here's the third practice, and that is confession. So let's add to worship and Bible study just some good old-fashioned confession, right? Like getting before God in the quietness of our homes or on a walk somewhere or whatever we need to do just to have that quiet time with God and confessing to Him what we've been thinking and what we've been doing and how we've been responding. Scripture is so clear on this spiritual practice and how it connects us to the heart of the Father. Scripture tells us if we confess, which means if we say the same thing about our sin that God says about it, if we do that, then God is just and He is righteous. In other words, God can't deny Himself. He won't do that. He is faithful and just. He's righteous and just. And He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No condemnation. No condemnation. So if we want to deepen the truth of our identity in Christ, these three spiritual practices, again, there's more. We'll talk about that in the coming days. But worship, Bible study, and confession, they really connect us to the heart of the Father. Okay, takeaway number three, engage with the church and surround yourself with the truth, and uh, with those who will reinforce the truth of our identity in Christ. And you're doing that today, and I want to applaud you and just say, this is one of the reasons why we gather. So that when I don't feel like an image bearer, and I am beating myself up for that, and maybe you do the same, that the body of Christ comes around you, and says, no, 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 not going to happen. Not today, because you, imago Dei, you image God. You were created in the image of God himself, and you have intrinsic value and worth. And this is why we get together, so that we can reinforce that to each other when we're feeling down and crushed and hurt and defeated, all the things that life does for us constantly and daily, we get the chance to come together and say, hey, look around, church. Imago Dei, image bearers. So engage with the church and keep surrounding yourself with those who will reinforce the truth of how we are made in the image of God himself. And then the final takeaway is this. Remember that all humans have the image of God equally and deserve to be treated with complete dignity, which means we should extend grace and mercy to others. I've been reading a book recently by Nancy Percy called Love Thy Body. It's kind of a shocking book in many ways, and I'm loving it because it's challenging my thinking and helping me to consider from a scholarly standpoint the beauty of the human body and how Christianity from the very beginning has held up and valued the body physically, 
not just the afterlife and eternity and what happens in heaven, but here on earth, our bodies matter and they image God. And throughout history, most people and many civilizations have done everything that they could do to hurt and destroy the body. But from the beginning, it hasn't been so for Christianity. So just listen to these words. To make the Bible's positive message credible, it must be communicated not only in words, but also in behavior by treating everyone with dignity simply because they are made in God's image. The Bible proclaims the profound value and dignity of the material realm, including the human body as the handiwork of a loving God. It's interesting to me that from the very beginning, the Christian worldview and the biblical ethic is one that has valued the human body as something of worth and something that has purpose being made and created in the image of God. Back to our big idea. All people are loved by God and need Jesus as their Savior. And in Christ, we are free from the power of sin because God's love is for all and whoever. And we're not defined by sin. We are defined by a God who says, you are created. You are created in my image. May God give all of us the strength and the courage to leave here and to live as image bearers for him. Father, we're grateful for some time to look at different verses in Genesis and Romans and John's Gospel that just outline for us your view of humanity. We're thankful for your love and how it's for all and whoever. What an amazing thing. And we don't have to be defined by sin because of what you have done. So we give thanks to you and we praise you. God, for those who may be here or those watching online who may be unsure about the person of Jesus and what he offers, I pray that today you would just give them a picture of a God who loved enough to send Jesus into the world, into our mess, to repair and restore humanity. And in Christ, we're a whole new person. And if they've never made that choice to believe in Jesus, to trust in you alone without adding anything to that, I pray that you'd give them the confidence today that Jesus is who he claimed to be and that they would reach out and embrace your leadership and forgiveness and trust and believe in you. God, for those who claim to be Christ followers and apprentices of Jesus, help us to walk out of here ready to be image bearers of God. That's the doctrine of humanity. You hold a very high view of us with all of our imperfections and with our sin and our failure. You still provide a way for us to be right with you. So help us to live 
in the confidence that our sin does not condemn us, but we have a way to confess and be right with you. So help us to enjoy that this week, what you have done for us in Jesus. We pray this now in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I hope your hearts have been encouraged and challenged. When I dismiss in a moment, you'll be able to take your connection card and any offering you have to share, and you can leave that in the baskets as you exit. You can also be generous online through our church website and through our app as well. And I want to thank you for how God is using your generosity to help our church accomplish its mission of pointing people to real relationships and real significance. Don't forget about coming back tonight at 6 p.m. for our night of worship with the Cornerstone Christian Ministry Choir and our artists as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stand, I have a benediction for us. Just open your heart to this prayer. May we come to know that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. May our identity in Christ free us to live triumphantly. May our lives be marked by humility as we seek to be transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless. You are loved. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next Sunday.